Before we get started, I want to remind you about a new challenge that I'm offering. It's called the Gratitude Walk or Run, and it's a 30-day challenge designed to keep you moving and get you focused on gratitude and have you writing for short amounts of time in your journal each day. I think these things are so important to our collective mental health right now. The level of stress and anxiety and depression we are seeing is sky high. And while this challenge won't solve all your problems, I do think that it will help you develop three key habits that are proven to improve well-being. And while I'm on the topic of gratitude, I just have to share some more stats about gratitude because I think this topic is so fascinating and so important when you think that something so simple can have such a profound effect on your health. So here are a few stats about gratitude. Grateful people have a stronger bond to their local community and they have 10% fewer stress-related illnesses. Those who keep a gratitude journal are 25% happier than those who don't. And positive emotions can add an additional seven years to your life. And some cool stats as they pertain to kids. Youth who are grateful are 20% more likely to get A's and get in 13% fewer fights and are 10 times less likely to start smoking. Gratitude does all of that. I think that's really super cool because it's something that is free and available to all of us. We could all use a break right now to feel less stress, to feel more joy, to feel more in control of our lives. Gratitude is one thing that can help get you there. It's totally simple and you have nothing to lose. Come check out my challenge at www.crushingmygoals.com slash gratitude. I'm keeping this one open as long as necessary, so come join me when you're ready. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek. I'm the author of Holistic Endurance Training, and I want to help you achieve more and to get out of that rut you're in so that you can find the passion and energy you had in your 20s. I believe that there are three things that form the foundation for success in any area of your life. And those three things are movement, mindset, and journaling strategies. Of course, I am super oversimplifying this. There's a lot that goes into each one of those things, but most of the big things that go into any goal you can imagine can be lumped into one of those three categories. Whether you want to lose weight, run a marathon, change careers, start a business, go back to school, you will be more successful with movement, mindset, and journaling. Now, you might be wondering, what do movement or exercise have to do with starting a business or changing careers? Did you know that you'll find exercise on almost any list of things that successful business people do every day? An article in Forbes magazine calls exercise the single most important habit for achieving super success. The benefits go beyond cardiovascular and mental health benefits, which are significant. When you exercise, when you set a goal of running a 5K or a half marathon, when you commit to working hard to achieve any kind of a goal, 
There's nothing like, let's say, for example, achieving, committing to and achieving your 10,000 step a day goal or to keeping your run streak alive or to crossing that finish line. There's nothing like a fitness goal to teach the value and reward of sticking with a hard goal and achieving it. And it builds confidence along the way because you're proving to yourself that you can do hard things. And that confidence spills over into other areas of your life. If you're not getting your exercise in, you need to start. This is non-negotiable. I don't care if you're too busy with work or that you're too tired or too stressed. Exercise really is so important that it's foundational to your well-being. Don't get all hung up on the idea that you need an hour or even a half an hour. Start with five minutes if that's all you have time for. Don't worry about intensity or especially don't buy into the mindset that it doesn't count if you're not beating the crap out of your body. No pain, no gain is an antiquated, old school way of thinking. As exercise becomes a habit, you can start to add more time or more intensity, but work on building the habit first. One secret to starting any new habit is to start at a level that is impossible for you to fail at. So if that means that for three weeks, all you do is a two-minute walk, or for three weeks, all you do is a five-minute walk, that is where you start so that you can get that consistency so that start going on a walk or going on a run or starting every minute, every meeting that you have for work with a five-minute dance-off whatever it is, so that that thing becomes automatic, so it becomes a habit. Once that's comfortable and it becomes automatic, you can then add on new increments, which again are going to be increments that are so small that you can't fail. So maybe you're used to doing five minutes a day, and so now you bump it up to 10 minutes a day. But you want to make sure that you're not setting that bar so high that you're like, oh my gosh, I said I was going to run for an hour and I only have 20 minutes. It's not worth doing. You don't want to get into that mindset. You want to set small goals and build on them. And you build that habit slowly over time. And remember too that the exercise you choose should be something you love. Or at first at least before you start feeling the benefits, it should be something that excites you. It could be getting together online with friends for a Zumba class or taking time at the end of the day to walk with your spouse, or learning a new skill like stand-up paddleboarding or rowing, or exploring your city on foot with a video camera so you can record the history or the architecture and can share it on YouTube. Find whatever is fun and interesting to you. Find whatever is motivating and inspiring to you and commit to it and do it. Now, Switching gears a little bit, that was about self-care. And I think that moving every day is critical. It's something that we need to do every single day, especially right now, to maintain our mental health. But the other thing I want to talk about today is how we move forward as a country when we are so incredibly divided right now. People are so stressed out and anxious, and we spent a lot of episodes of the podcast talking about how we deal with that. What are some strategies that can help in that area? You have to take care of yourself before you can make yourself available to others. 
That is just a fact. But we also need to start thinking about how we can each do our part to bring people together so we can find solutions that address the hate that we are surrounded by. We have to find common ground so that we can build policies that address the problems facing our nation and the world. What if we each started with ourselves in our own little corner of the world? What if we committed to reaching out to just our neighbors? What if we committed to kindness and compassion and truly listening? Would that create a ripple effect? Now, before you all jump on me, I'm not saying that you have to be best friends with the person who just voted to take away your lesbian daughter's right to marry her soulmate. And I'm not saying that you need to go out to lunch with anyone who is cheering because a police officer had his knee on the neck of a black man. But I am saying that we each have varying degrees of comfort with building bridges, having civil conversations, working to see somebody else's viewpoint. And we can start in our own families, in our own community, in our own area, and be kind, compassionate, caring individuals. We can all work harder to show kindness. That is something every single one of us can do. You might remember this habit from Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. What would happen if we interacted with the intention of understanding where the other person was coming from? What are their fears? What's their reality? What is important to them about this particular issue? How will this new policy affect their lives? People got so into a habit of hiding behind their devices, behind their computer screens, at fighting and saying horrible things to people they disagree with throughout this election season. How could we change things if we just tried this one thing? Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And actually, I had to look up that quote, seek first to understand, then to be understood, so that I could get it right. And then when I did, I reviewed what the seven habits actually are because I needed a refresher. And I really think it might be worth it for all of us to read that book again, or at least to become more familiar with the seven principles in that book, because they're really relevant in today's environment. But let's just look super high level at four of the principles from that book. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Think win-win. Sharpen the saw and synergize. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. This is self-explanatory, but it's also really important. This is where we listen so we can learn, and that helps us get the information we need so that we can empathize and advocate for what is right. If we don't take the time to listen before we start blabbing and blurting, we're never going to be able to build common ground. So we need to listen so we can empathize and advocate for what is right. And this is about talking less and defending less and listening and empathizing more. Think win-win. Nobody wants to be on the losing end of a deal or discussion And there's lots of business books written about this. And the winner-loser scenario is something that Trump 
has had as one of his core business principles. And in the real world, in the world of politics, in the world of community building, in the world of creating relationships, win-lose does not work. You need to create a win-win scenario because we all want to feel good about our interactions. We have a lot of these lose-lose interactions taking place right now, and we really need to take a step back from thinking of things in terms of winning and losing, and we need to get away from using fear and manipulation as tactics, and we need to start looking for solutions that benefit humanity. And that only happens when we think win-win. How can everybody involved, everybody involved take away something beneficial from this situation? Next, we have sharpen the saw. That refers to not just taking the time to learn new things, but to also tap into our ability to take care of ourselves, focus on our physical and emotional well-being. We can't be effective leaders or parents or partners or co-workers if we are not taking care of ourselves. That's why you always are supposed to put on your own air mask first before you help those around you in an emergency, right? Also, synergize. This is one I think we don't think about as much. But this habit encourages you to tap into your empathy and creativity, to listen and problem solve, to come up with solutions and ideas. When you synergize your thinking win-win, you're seeking to understand, and it's kind of a melding of ideas. And I think that this is something that if we stopped looking at things as black and white, all or nothing, and we started thinking in terms of synergy, we would find a lot more creative solutions that maybe we haven't even begun to explore yet. Now, I know you're stressed out right now, even if it turns out that your people won the elections, right? There's just a lot to be stressed about, and I understand that. But as a country, we have a lot of work to do. We can't continue with this level of hate and divisiveness. Even if you don't think of yourself as being interested in politics, or even if you don't feel confident trying to have a conversation with someone about the issues, even if you don't consider yourself someone who's a debater, so you shy away from that stuff. There is still work that you can do. Start small. Start in your own family or in your own circle of friends and start by trying to mend fences. Show kindness as you're out and about in the world. That kindness and compassion, even a smile, creates a ripple effect that makes people want to do better and be better. Thank you all for listening. Take care of yourselves. Give yourself grace. Give yourself a break from all the news or podcasts and social media. Take care of your physical and mental health. And then check back next week for my ideas on how we can incorporate kindness into our efforts to move our country forward in a positive way. You might be surprised to learn that the act of being kind releases oxytocin, which you might know as the love hormone, the love chemical. And It's the chemical that makes you and the recipient feel good. A hug releases this. Petting your dog releases this. And kindness releases this. So that's another tool that helps build resilience and something that will help us all feel better as we try to get past everything that 2020 has thrown at us and we work to thrive. So just Go love somebody, love yourself, 
and I will talk to you next week. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run, and you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe. As a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week and I will catch you next Tuesday.